Welcome to Radiant Church Podcast. We want Jesus to be the message in everything we do. We are those who look to him. Now, here's David Perkins. Father, we do love you. And God, we thank you that we get to be Christ followers. And we thank you, Lord, that this is not a game. This is not a show. This is not a religious activity. This is relationship with the King of Kings. And we thank you that we get to be Christ followers. We thank you that we get to bend our lives around Jesus and spend our lives following the one who is God. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would equip us and help us to become stronger. We ask that we would experience supernatural activity and that you would help us, Lord God, we need you. We are on our own, so weak and so broken. But with you, Lord God, with you working inside of us, we can do great things. And so we ask that we would be faithful witnesses of the gospel. We ask, Lord, that we would be faithful to the calling that you have on our lives. We pray, Lord Jesus, that we would arise and stand before you one day and have fulfilled 100% of what you've called us to do. We honor you and we love you. And all of Radiant Church said, amen. So I want to ask you this morning if you've ever quit at something, like if you've ever decided that you're not as good as you thought you were and you just quit. Uh, I thought that I wanted to be an NBA basketball player when I was a kid. I don't know if you can tell, but I quit on that. I was in seventh grade. I tried out for the basketball team, big school, and I got cut. Ha! Eighth grade, tried out, <laughs> got cut. Ninth grade, you know the story. Got cut again. 10th grade, didn't try out. 10th grade, just decided, let's go for drama, baby. Let's do something else. This, I mean, this, in, this basketball thing, this is not going to work. I think each one of us could have a story where we've given up on something, where we've quit something, essentially because oftentimes when you, when you go for something and, and you fail, over time it's easy to want to quit. And I want to talk this morning about quitting on your calling. I want to talk about the temptation that we possess to still maintain this, I love God and I am saved and I'm grateful for salvation, but I'm going to begin to follow at a distance instead of following as close as I possibly can. In other words, pulling back and because of the shame and the disappointment of your own failure, deciding, I think for many of us, It's not that I don't love God, I do love God. It's not that I don't love the church, I do love the church. It's not that I don't wanna be in close friendships with people or that I want to figure out my calling or that I want to make a difference and serve or pray or lead or whatever, but but I'm so disappointed in the way that things have turned out that I think I'll just follow at a distance. I'll just pull back a little bit. I don't know your story. I don't know if you've had people that let you down. It's amazing for me as I connect with people, how often their speed of following Jesus, their determination to follow Jesus is dented or hurt by the fact that somebody somewhere let them down. Somebody in the church let them down somewhere, someplace. And so there's this temptation to kind of be a victim and say, you know what? That person hurt me. That church hurt me. That denomination hurt me. And so because I'm hurt, I've got reason and license to just follow at a distance. And my prayer for us today is that we would look at Jesus and the way that Jesus interacts with his followers and that we would yet again sign up 
with a resolution and a determination that I'm going to follow Jesus as closely as possible. I remember for me as a junior high student, we went and did a missions trip down in Fort Worth, Texas. And so there we were in Fort Worth and the way that it was set up, hot days in Fort Worth, you know how it is, June or July, super hot. And in the morning, we would do this little vacation Bible school for kids. And in the afternoon, we would go and renovate houses, working outside and helping people and one of the areas that needed help in Fort Worth. And man, I, I excelled at the vacation Bible school thing. Like I liked it. Like it was good and I enjoyed it. And I got to teach these little kids and it was great for me, just junior high kid and connecting with little seven-year-olds and eight-year-olds and nine-year-olds. I liked it. I actually still remember one of the kids' names. His name was DJ and I high-fived him and he was kind of my friend. And I liked the snack time. I liked the worship time. I liked that we gave Bible lessons just for me in the way that I'm wired, in the way that I'm gifted, in the way that I'm called. Man, vacation Bible school was operating really well for me. But then we'd go. And in the afternoon, we would go and we'd work outside and we'd tear these houses apart. And, uh, and, you know, for me, I, I, was, I was, you know, uh, junior high, I was not real big. And our youth group was about 35 people. And, and I'll just, I, I, just, I just wasn't that great. Like, looking back, you know, I can just call it out what it was. Like, truth be told, I, I wasn't the best at swinging the hammer and getting the roof back on. And I really wasn't the best just taking the shingles that were ripped off the roof and putting them in the trash pile I just, I, I wasn't the strongest, I wasn't the best. And, and I had a terrible moment where the youth pastor said, you know what, you're not working hard enough. And so you're out of here. And so he took me and one other guy and took us to this other house and then left us and said, you guys just, and we were just given some menial, no nothing task because the language was, you guys are sl such slow workers that we don't wanna slow down the rest of the team. And so I remember just spending the rest of the, uh, the camp, the, the week, in the afternoons, uh, me and this other guy, and just, just isolated. And just kind of the shame of that, just like everybody knew, like, hey, we're the lame workers, y'all are, are great, and we'd get at dinner time, and, and they were the good ones, and I was like the junior varsity worker, and so I had to go work, kind of sweep porches, and I just remember being like something kind of growing in my heart, like, fine, all right. You don't think I can do it? Fine. And just this little bit of like, I just, I don't even want to be here anyway. Man, I don't know why. I, why am I here? Man, I could be back at home swimming. I don't have to serve Fort Worth. I, I mean, I could be hanging out with my friends. I, I don't got to do this. You, you're going to hurt me like that? And I think for each one of us, maybe it was in your teens, or maybe in your 20s. Maybe in your 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s or 70s, at some point, there's this temptation that says, man, somebody, somebody hurt me. And I'm, I, I, I want to quit. Like, I know I've got a calling and maybe you've had a moment where Jesus called you and, and, and the fact was that God had called me the day that I said I'd follow Jesus. Then, man, I needed to bend my life around Jesus and just suck it up. The fact that I need to get better. I need to work harder, but I just remember the interior turmoil, disappointed really at myself, disappointed at leaders and the temptation to just say, I'm gonna punt, I'm just gonna quit. And the reality is, is that I think for many of us, it's easy to allow some disappointing circumstance to cause us to take three steps back 
It's not that you don't love God. You do love God. It's not that you're not willing to pray. You are willing to pray. It's not that you're willing to serve. You are willing to serve. But as for how close can I possibly be? How, how much can I give? How much can I pray? How, how close? I think there's the temptation to just follow at a distance. It's interesting, you know, when we read about Satan and the, the liar, the, the father of lies, the way that he comes and causes discouragement in your life is he comes and he lies to you. He says, you can't cut it. You can't, you can't make it. You're not good enough. You don't really have that calling to reach the poor. You're not really sacrificing that. You, it's just, you can't sing, you can't dance, you can't pray, you can't serve, you can't whatever. An enemy comes in and, and what he wants to get you to do is to take a back seat and have one less person fulfilling the destiny, the calling on their lives because they're filled with shame, sad, disappointed. I'll back up. And one less person that's not preaching the gospel, one less person that's not serving, one less person that's not, you fill in the blank what you're called to do. Discipling teenagers, helping kids, whatever is the thing that you're wired the way that God has called you to make a difference. And here at Radiant, one of my biggest passions is this. My, my, my greatest dream is not that we would have lots of people here on Sundays. My greatest dream is that we would have people walking in their calling, that you would so walk with Jesus, know God, and that you would so connect with people and relationships that empower you to find freedom, that you would actually discover what God's called you to do with your life, and that you would walk fully alive in the calling that he has on your life. And he has a calling on your life. There is something, there is something that, man, because of the way that God made you and the way that God has called you, he's created in you something that, man, when you do that, you come alive. And my prayer is that, that you would walk in the fullness of your calling and that you would not quit on your calling, that you would not give up on what God has called you to do, that you would not even tolerate staying a few steps behind at a distance, but that you, good days and bad, would possess this resolution that says, I'm, I'm gonna follow and I'm gonna fulfill what Jesus has called me to do. We see this in the life of Peter, Matthew chapter 16, if you have your Bibles. And this is a moment where I just picture Jesus talking with his disciples and it's not long before he's about to head to Jerusalem and there's this conversation that he has with his boys. And these are guys that have chosen to follow him. And look what he says to him. He says this, Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist. <laughs> Jump up. Yeah, you're like John the Baptist. You know, the guy, your cousin. Woo. John the Baptist, fiery preacher. Jesus, you're a pretty good preacher. Not bad. I mean, that Sermon on the Mount, pretty decent. You're kind of like John the Baptist. I mean, man, you guys... Similar message. Jesus goes, okay, I like that. That's my boy. That's my cousin. We're boys. Who else? He said, well, it says, uh, others said, well, you're kind of like Elijah. <sighs> Elijah. Elijah is known for signs and wonders. And man, you walk in signs and wonders. We've never, I mean, we've never seen anything like this. So some say you're like Elijah. Not only are you the fire preacher like John the Baptist, but you're, man, you, 
You bring the signs and wonders like Elijah. It's pretty awesome. And Jesus, I imagine, yeah, I like Elijah. Whew, I'm going to hang out with him in the next chapter on a transfiguration. Y'all hang around a little bit. What else? Some say you're like Jeremiah. Jesus. You know, Jeremiah was known for being a weeping prophet, compassion for the poor. The way that you care about the marginalized, the hurting, the widows, the orphans, just the way that you care for kids, the way that we've seen you heal the sick. The way, Jesus, just, it's awesome. You're kind of like Jeremiah. What about you, he asked, Jesus said. Who do you say that I am? And of course, you know this well. This is the great confession where Peter jumps up and he says, man, you, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus <laughs> looks back at Peter. He looks back at him and he says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. <laughs> Saying you're getting revelation. But by my father in heaven. If you're Peter, you're like, what's up, fellas? He's talking, father's talking to me. I don't know about you, John. <laughs> you can doubt all you want, Tommy, but guess what? Father speaks to me. And then he says, and I tell you that you are Peter. Puts a name on him. This would be kind of an interesting moment because he's saying, all right, he's been known as Simon, but Jesus kind of renames him. And it goes, all right, your name's Will Riddle. That's great. But let me tell you what I say you are. And he renames him. So suddenly it's your name is Peter or, or rock or stone. And Jesus is speaking of how he sees Peter. It's kind of interesting. I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades or the gates of hell will not overcome it. So as Protestants, you know, we believe right here that Jesus is saying this revelation, this statement that you just made, man, I'm going I'm to build my church on the fact that Christ, the son of the living God. And if you're Peter, man, this is the epic moment because you're hearing from the father. Jesus is renaming you and he's giving you a calling. I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Peter, let me tell you who you are, man. You, I'm going to rename you. Rock, stone, solid, dependable, count upon you. And you can imagine if you're Peter, it's like, I got a calling baby. Yes. Mm. And then Peter goes on a journey, just like you and I do. And Peter faces the disappointment of his own inability to fulfill what he thought he could do. Look at this, skip forward 10 chapters. and You've got... This scene too, Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. Then Jesus said to them, this very night you will all fall away on account of me for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, ha that's next week. But after I've risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. That's the sea of Galilee. Peter replied, if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Ha-ha, <laughs> Determination, I'm your boy, I'm Peter, the rock, stone. I don't know about these other compromisers, but I'm no compromise, baby. Come on, Jesus, you can't count on these guys, these tax collectors and all these other guys, but the fishermen from Galilee, I'm your boy. I got you. Jesus says, truly I tell you, Jesus answered this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, 
I will never disown you. Man, I got confident. Don't you remember what you said about me? Whew, I got this. And Peter, the leader then, all the others said the same. Yeah, yeah, what he said. Yeah, Peter, the rock, he's right. And you can just see it. You ever been there? Man, I know I've been there. Jesus, I don't know. I don't know about these other denominations. Jesus, I don't know about these other pastors. Jesus, I don't know. Put, just put your name in there, what, what your temptation is to look at other environments. I don't know if you can count on these other guys, but you can count on me. And then, of course, you know this. Peter has to face the pain, the shame, and the disappointment. How do you respond when you fall short? How do you, how do you think through it? How do you process it? I love the song, I've decided to follow Jesus. And there's that second term says, I have decided to follow Jesus. And then it says, no turning back, no turning back. And I remember as a teenager singing that second verse just with strength. Though none go with me, you know, looking back. Still I will follow, right? Though none go with me. And I got your back. Still I will follow. I don't know about everybody else. And some of this spiritual pride that kind of exists. Man, I don't like that church because they fill in the blank. I don't like that family member because they... And Jesus, you know, I'm your guy. I got this. And I'll serve or I'll pray or I'll give or I'll fill in the blank. I'll get the education. I'll take care of the poor. Man, those other compromised Laodicean, I mean, but me. Look at this. Jesus says in Luke 22, I'm just taking you on the journey with Peter's, we lead up to this conversation that concludes in John 21. But in Luke 22, Luke adds this phrase, Simon, Simon, verse 31, Satan has, it has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And then this phrase, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Jesus knows what's coming. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. <sighs> Don't you see who I am, Jesus? You can count on me. And Jesus says it again, I tell you, before the rooster crows today, you will, you will deny three times that you even know me. Skip forward to verse 54. Then seizing him, Jesus, they led him away and took him to the house of the high priest and Peter followed at a distance. There it is. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm with you to the end. I'll go to prison and to death. I, I'm your guy. Hey, Jesus, you can count on me. I don't know about everybody else, but I, I'm, your, I'm with you. Boom. Jesus arrested. Peter, not quite so sure, following at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, the man, this man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I am not. 
And Peter replied, about an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow is with them, for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Can you imagine? A lot of different commentaries talking about Jesus' face in that moment. <laughs> Everybody's got an opinion. But just the weightiness, no matter the expression. Forget, just I want you to imagine if you're Peter, the reality. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. Matthew and Mark both record this moment and both of them also add that he called down curses and swore. I don't know him. I don't know him. Man, I don't know what you're talking about. And he swears, calls down curses on himself. Rooster crows and then he begins to weep. Why? Oh. I was so confident and it was real it wasn't a fake confidence it was a real confidence I really did leave my nets to follow Jesus I really did see Jesus do miraculous things I really did watch him as he had compassion I really did hear him as he preached I really did experience those things and I really perceived that in my heart I would not fail I would follow no matter what. And I could have never imagined that this would be me. But then suddenly the shame and the discouragement and the disappointment leads Peter to go out and to weep. Why? Because I, I messed it up. Maybe I don't have what I thought I had. Maybe I can't do it. Maybe I'm not what Jesus said I am. Maybe my circumstance only demonstrates that I can't do it. And you can imagine for you in your own lives, man, you remember the moment where you were free and you were following and you were a Christ follower alive on the inside and you hadn't failed yet. You hadn't seen the person hurt you and you were alive on the inside, but then whether people didn't believe in you, whether you couldn't cut it, and you failed the small group, you failed the poor, you failed and name it, the family, the marriage. <sighs> you know what? I'm just, I just can't. I just you weep, sad. But there's this glorious savior this man, Jesus, who called Peter to follow way back in Matthew 4, verse 19. We talked about that in week one. And he invited him to come follow him. And where this concludes in John 21 is not where Jesus is like, yeah, you failed, you're out. But you, like Peter, have this savior, Messiah, who just keeps on calling. No matter how weak, how broken, how much you failed, Jesus, as we go back to the text, dies on the cross, then he is risen 
Next week, we'll celebrate that. Look at this, because he has this conversation. Mark chapter 16, we'll conclude in John 21 in just a moment. Verse four, Jesus risen, but when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And they entered the tomb. They saw a young man dressed in white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You were looking for Jesus, the, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But here it is. But go, tell his disciples and Peter. It's interesting addition. Wasn't Peter a disciple? Go tell the disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee, that Sea of Galilee, or the same name, Sea of Tiberias. And there you will see him, just as he told you. So there's a conversation coming with Peter at the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is risen from the dead. And the reason why there's the and Peter is there's different ideas on this, but in John 21 here, the way that John ends his gospel, in verse 3, says, Peter, Peter said he's going out fishing. In other words, he says, I'm, I'm going out and I'm gonna go back to doing what I used to know. Now there's lots of different commentators on this. Some, some say, hey, this was just a one-time deal. Others say this might've been him going back to his former occupation. We don't exactly know other than that we know this. In John 21, Jesus is risen from the dead. Peter has already experienced all that heartache and Peter goes back to doing what he was doing before he was following. And this is just the way that, this is my old business, man. This is, I, man, I, I, was, I, I thought I was on solid ground. I thought I was a follower. Turns out I deny Christ in, pr- in front of servant girls. Curse, cuss, call down curses on myself. Clearly I don't have what, I thought I had, and we don't know all the contacts. Maybe he was going back to the occupation. Maybe he was just killing some time. But the reality is, is that in John 21, he's fishing all night and he's doing what he used to do for a living. Chances are, this is not a leisurely fishing trip that he's just having fun. Whether it's, whether he's planning on doing it for a long time or a short time, he's going back to what he used to know. It's what we do. Ah, Jesus, you called me to help the poor. Jesus, you called me to help kids. Jesus, you called me to, to serve. Jesus, you called me to be a, a woman of prayer. Jesus, you called me to, to, to operate in whatever it is that the Lord's called you to do. And then you fail. You know what? It's just safer to go back to what I used to know because it hurts to risk and fail. It hurts when I can't come through. And so Jesus has this dialogue, John 21, it's the most incredible conversation, one of the best in the gospels. Jesus has risen from the dead, he's looking at his boy and he loves Peter with all his heart and he called Peter to follow him and he's not done with Peter and yet Peter has wept bitterly and Peter has failed Jesus and Peter has said, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will, I will go to prison and I will go unto death, I'm your boy, I'm with you and then right when he had the pop quiz, the test, he followed at a distance, he denied that he knew Jesus, he cursed, swore and the angel says, I have a conversation with Peter coming. Peter, Jesus, talking on the beach, John 21. John ends his gospel, last chapter, this conversation, put it in the text. 
When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Some people say, we don't know exactly. Some say that he's looking at the disciples and it's a statement that says, do you really love me more than these other disciples? Maybe, since, since Peter had said, yeah, even if I'll fall away on account of you, I never will. Other commentators say, actually right here, we think that Jesus is looking at the fish and he's saying, do you love me more than going back to your old life? Do you love me more than these fish? We don't know. Either way, he's coming, he's locking eyes with Peter. Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. Do your calling, Peter. Take care of my sheep. Demonstrate this love. You mean you're not counting me out? Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, take care of my lambs. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because he'd asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep for truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, the very thing he said to him the first time, follow me. Same language. No, Jesus that invitation's void. I've already messed it up. You already offered that to me before. I'm, there's, I, I, I guess I just can't do it. I mean, even after seeing the miracles, hearing the sermons, walking with you, you investing in, it, in me, hearing you pray, you teaching me to pray, me seeing on the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah, me watching you, I, I still failed. I still I still couldn't cut it. And Jesus looks at the broken fisherman who in his confidence was sure that he had what it took. And Jesus doesn't look at him and say, yeah, you're right, Pete, you're done. You can't do it. Jesus locks eyes with him. And you know this very well. The same man who around a fire looked at servant girls and said, I don't know him. I don't know him swore, cuss, I don't know him for three times that he said, I don't know him. Now three times he said, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And Jesus in his love and in his compassion doesn't come to crush Peter. He comes to establish him. Peter, do you remember what I told you? It wasn't too long ago Back in Matthew 16, I told you, you I got a name for you. It's, it's Peter, it's stone, it's rock. And I know you don't feel this right now. And I know your identity right now feels like you failed. That's how you see you. Let me tell you how I see you, Peter. You got this, Peter. In your brokenness, in your immaturity, in your weakness, in your failing, those are the kind of people that I use. This isn't about you. This is all about me. And in the midst of your ministry failure, I want to take weak, broken, ashes, people and make something beautiful. And Peter, let me tell you something. 
the guy who loves me and three times says, I love you, Jesus, I love you, Jesus, I love you, Jesus, that's actually the one who knows in their own power they can't measure up. But there's real love for Jesus on the inside. It's not perfect love, still weak, but it's real. And I see that you've got real love for me on the inside. And Peter, I want you to go finish the calling. Peter, Acts chapter two, you're gonna, you're gonna preach the gospel. Peter, the very things that I did, yeah, yeah, I want you in the book of Acts, I want you to go do the things that I did. Yep, I want you to heal a lame man. Peter, this isn't built on your success. This is built on me. And if it's built on me, then weak, broken, prone to quit, followers have a destiny. Jesus hasn't given up on you. And maybe you've quit your calling. Just, you know what, I just, I failed. I, I didn't make the cut. My prayer is that you would lock eyes with Jesus on the beach today. Let Jesus look at you and say, you're a lover of God. You're a lover of God. You're a lover of God. And you know what? Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my, do what I've called you to do. Let that real love that's on the inside motivate you to not come up short of what I've called you to do. Are you perfect? Not a chance. Have you fallen? Yes. And that's who he uses. The weak, broken fisherman, prone to failure, to go accomplish his purposes. Will you stand with me? Let's just pray together. Father, in this room are callings and destinies. In this room are people that can impact the nations with the good news of the gospel. In this room are people that are called to be the comfort and life of Jesus in the prisons. In this room are intercessors called to cry out where nobody sees in the place of prayer. In this room, people that are called to reach kids, disciple teenagers, plant churches, step on foreign soil and start new churches. God, in this room are people that are called to go into every sphere of society and make a difference in government, education, business. Father, we just come before you prone to be weak, prone to fail. And I ask, Lord, would you change us in your presence? Call us. Maybe we not live compromised, quitting, but in your strength, not ours, may we move forward. May we go see the fullness of what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name. 
just with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to invite anybody that's here today that has never decided to follow Jesus. You just want to make this decision. It's the best decision you could ever make. Following Jesus should be the most costly, but also the most fulfilling way to live, fully alive. Today, you want to decide, you know what, I've been living for me, but I don't want to live for me. I want to live for him. And I want to spend eternity with him. And I want to know him. And I want to walk in a covenant friendship with God. If that's you today, I want to invite you just to repeat this prayer after me. Just where you're at, you can just do it silently. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I thank you for sending your son to die for me. Thank you that he lived the life I could not live. And I decide today to not live for me. I want to live for you. And I give you my life. Thank you for loving me. Come and change me. Make me new. Come be in me. I give you my life. Save me from my sin. Help my future look like Jesus. I want to fulfill the fullness of what you've called me to do and bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give everybody who prayed that prayer a big hand this morning? Can you do that? We're going to sing this one last worship song as we prepare to give. And I just want to thank you guys for following Jesus. I just can't tell you, I can't tell you how fun it is to gather with the saints, fix our eyes back on Jesus, see God do this fresh work and go back into the city, back into our worlds and be a radiant light to, to people all around us. I wanna invite you just as we sing this last song, fix your eyes on Jesus for just a moment, not on everything else. Let's worship him in song and as we give. One more song. I love you. Let's worship together. Thanks again for listening. To learn more and to join our Radiant family, check us out on social media and online at radiantchurchkc.com.